Welcome back to the Hemingway List Podcast for Book 13, Chapter 8. Boy, does Tolstoy hate Napoleon. What is your cultural view of this war slash Napoleon and his conquests? Your cultural view. Uh, and with your own cultural background at play, do you think Tolstoy coming down so hard on Napoleon is warranted? Why does it keep saying cultural in these questions? I didn't write these questions if you didn't know. Um... Do you think that more people need to be aware of Napoleon's faults? Is Tolstoy hypocritical in this chapter? Is he not giving enough credit to Napoleon during these events? Stephen Foxbat said, I think Tolstoy does seem to be indulging himself a little bit. I'm always suspicious when a person writes off another's actions as stupid. There is no attempt at insight into why Napoleon did what he did. It's one of the problems we have in politics today. People write off the views of other people before any attempt at further insight. If something is giving you a binary representation of history, they're probably up to something leading you away from revealing insights so as to accept their conclusion, whether or not they know it or not. Tolstoy appears to be driven by instinct rather than reason here. I'm just turning my heater on because it's cold. That said, it's an interesting point to make that Napoleon shouldn't be credited for his success any more than his failure. People are much more likely to want to claim credit for success than failure. Well, that's true. Warren Kovofififi says, I felt like Tolstoy likes to really mock Napoleon, while at the same time acknowledge that he was a formidable enemy and a skilled leader. I just think Tolstoy likes to cut through the mystique and grandeur that Napoleon had around him, and to remind us that he wasn't really a genius. Yes, he was a great military leader for the most part, but let's not forget that he wasn't fighting people like us, the Russians. He simply met his match. I think that might be what Tolstoy was trying to say in today's chapter. Interesting, though, that Tolstoy doesn't like historians saying that Napoleon was weakened or off his game after the capture of Moscow. They fought the same Napoleon as everyone else, not a lesser one. Yeah, I kind of get you too. Like, people who are wildly successful, you know, there's two ways to look at it. And I always kind of, maybe I'm just cynical, but they always claim to be genius or be so hardworking is the more modern thing to say. People don't like to claim to be geniuses so much anymore, but they prefer to sort of, you know, talk about how hard they worked and as if they work harder than anyone else. But then when they tell the story of how they, you know, got to be as successful as they did, it's like, I think you worked the same amount as anyone who's ambitious, but also got insanely lucky. You know, that's the thing that always seems to be in common. Um... You know, and they say, oh, we I did the hard work, so when that opportunity came around, I was able to take advantage of it. And it's like, no, no, people who work hard get opportunities too, and they just don't turn out as good as what luckily happened for you. You know, like there's an example of, I can't remember what this show was. I think it was on Netflix, and it was about like music producers or something. And it was a music producer talking about his rise to success 
And of course, they're talking about how, how hard working he is and all the rest. But um, it was like, you know, when he was a teenager, he was obsessed with music, you know, like all teenagers, and wanted to learn about um, uh, recording studios. And so he walked into his neighborhood recording studio and asked if he could work there. And the guy was like, yeah, okay, but you're going to be starting from the bottom Next week, um, we've got a band called The Beatles coming in to record. You're going to have to be my second engineer. You know, something like that, where it's just like, what the hell? Like, your apprenticeship first day, you just lucked into, like, being the engineer for The Beatles. Also, it's just like, I know you worked hard, but you have no... Like, that's like the lottery of luck in terms of... I messed up all that that anecdote. It was I don't think it was the Beatles. I don't even know if it was that era, but it, the story basically went like that. Like they their local recording engineer gave him an apprenticeship, and on like the first week or something, they basically just got to work on Abbey Road, <laughs> the uh, the album, not the studio. It's uh, a confusing of all the albums I could have chosen for that anecdote. Abbey Road was the most confusing because it's not just an album it's also the name of the recording studio where the album was recorded which kind of ruined my anecdote let me say that again they lucked into working on the White Album anyway um, so yeah I, I just to link back to away from that rant uh, I do see what Tolstoy means where he sort of says you know he's Like, Napoleon may be great and a genius, but also he's just in the right place at the right time historically, you know? And I really believe that. Because when you kind of look for it and you listen to any of these stories of people who became insanely uh, successful, especially like artists and stuff, they'll be like, oh, you know, he was obsessed with a guitar. He just spent all day and night playing guitar for uh, two whole years as if that's like a long time when there's there's people I know who've played guitar every day and night for 35 years you know what I mean and it's like they're not just lucking into being Justin Bieber or something like that anywho um so in, in the mind of that person that two years of hard work is like yeah I deserved it but they don't kind of understand it no you do you don't deserve it like you're good at what you do and also you got insanely lucky rant over i'm just going in loops you can tell when i'm tired when my rants kind of loop back to the start every now and again and i just say the same rant again you know what i should do is just read you chapter nine of this book goes like this with regard to military matters napoleon immediately on his entry to moscow gave General Sebastiani strict orders to observe the movements of the Russian army, sent army corps out along the different roads and charged Murat to find Kutuzov. Then he gave careful directions about the fortification of the Kremlin and drew up a brilliant plan for a future campaign over the whole map of Russia. With regard to diplomatic questions, Napoleon summoned Captain Yakovlev Yakovlev who had been robbed and was in rags and did not know how to get out of Moscow, minutely explained to him his whole policy and his magnanimity 
and having written a letter to the Emperor Alexander in which he considered it his duty to inform his friend and brother that Rostopchin had managed affairs badly in Moscow, he dispatched Yakolev to Petersburg. Having similarly explained his views and his magnanimity to Tutolman, he dispatched that old man also to Petersburg to negotiate. With regard to legal matters, immediately after the fires he gave orders to find and execute the incendiaries and the scoundrel Rostopchin was punished by an order to burn down his houses. With regard to administrative matters, Moscow was granted a constitution, a municipality was established and the following announcement issued. Inhabitants of Moscow, your misfortunes are cruel, but His Majesty the Emperor and King desires to arrest their course. Terrible examples have taught you how he punishes disobedience and crime. Strict measures have been taken to put an end to disorder and to re-establish public security. A paternal administration chosen from young from among yourselves will form your municipality or city government. I will take care of you, of your needs and of your welfare. Its members will be distinguished by a red ribbon worn across the shoulder and the mayor of the city will wear a white belt as well. But when not on duty, they will only wear a red ribbon around the left arm. The city police is established on its former footing and better order already prevails in consequence of its activity. The government has appointed two commissaries general, or chiefs of police, and 20 commissaries, or captains, of wards have been appointed to the different wards of the city. You will recognize them by the white ribbon they will wear on the left arm. Several churches of different denominations are open, and divine service is performed in them unhindered. Your fellow citizens are returning every day to their homes, and orders have been given that they should find in them the help and protection due to their misfortunes. These are the measures the government has adopted to re-establish order and relieve your condition. But to achieve this aim, it is necessary that you should add your efforts and should, if possible, forget the misfortunes you have suffered, should entertain the hope of a less cruel fate, should be certain that inevitable and ignominious death awaits those who make any attempt on your persons or on what remains of your property, and finally that you should not doubt that these will be safeguarded, since such is the will of the greatest and most just of monarchs. Soldiers and citizens of whatever nation you may be, re-establish public confidence, the source of the welfare of the state, like Live like brothers, render mutual aid and protection one to another. Unite to defeat the intentions of the evil-minded. Obey the military and civil authorities and your tears will soon cease to flow. With regard to supplies for the army, Napoleon decreed that all the troops in turn should enter Moscow a la Marouard as looters to obtain provisions for themselves so that the army might have its future provided for. With regard to region... Napoleon ordered the priests to be brought back and services to be, be again performed in the churches. With regard to commerce and the provisioning of the army, the following was placed placarded everywhere. Proclamation: Your peaceful inhabitants, you, sorry, you, peaceful inhabitants of Moscow, artisans and workmen whom misfortune has driven from the city, 
and you scattered tillers of the soil still kept out in the fields by groundless fear listen tranquility is returning to this capital and order is being restored in it your fellow countrymen are emerging boldly from their hiding places on finding that they are respected any violence to them or to their property will, is promptly punished his majesty the emperor and king protects them and considers no one among you his enemy except those who disobey his orders he desires to end your misfortunes and restore you to your homes and families respond therefore to his benevolent intentions and come to us without fear inhabitants return with confidence to your abodes you will soon find means of satisfying your needs craftsmen and industrious artisans return to your work your houses your shops where the protection of guards awaits you you shall receive proper pay for your work and lastly you too peasants come from the forests where you are hiding in terror return to your huts without fear in full assurance that you will find protection markets are established in the city where peasants can bring their surplus supplies and the products of the soil the government has taken the following steps to ensure freedom of sale for them one from today peasants husbandmen and those living in the neighborhood of moscow may without any danger bring their supplies of all kinds to two appointed markets of which one is on the mokhayavya street and the other at the provision market two such supplies will be bought from them at such prices as sellers and buyers may agree on and if a seller is unable to obtain a fair price he will be free to take his goods back to his village and no one may hinder him under any pretense three sunday and wednesday of each week are appointed as the chief market days and to that end a sufficient number of troops will be stationed along the high roads of tuesdays and saturdays at such distances from the town as to protect the carts four similar measures will be taken that peasants with their carts and horses may meet with no hindrance on their return journey five steps will immediately be taken to re-establish ordinary training trading sorry inhabitants of the city and villages and you working men and artisans to whoever nation you belong you are called on to carry out the paternal intentions of his majesty the emperor and king and to cooperate with him for the public welfare lay your respect and confidence at his feet and do not delay to unite with us with the object of raising the spirits of the troops and of the people reviews were constantly held and rewards distributed the emperor rode through the streets to comfort the inhabitants and despite his preoccupation with state affairs himself visited the theaters that were established by his order in regard to philanthropy the greatest virtue of crowned heads napoleon also did all in his power he caused the words maison de marmere to be inscribed on the charitable institutions thereby combining combining tender filial affection with the majestic benevolence of a monarch he visited the foundling hospital and allowing the orphans saved by him to kiss his white hands graciously conversed with tatulim then as theirs eloquently recounts tears sorry eloquently recounts he ordered his soldiers to be paid in forged russian money which he had prepared raising the use of these means by an act worthy of himself and of the french army he let relief be distributed to those who had been burned out but as food was too precious to be given to foreigners who were for the most part enemies napoleon preferred to supply them with money 
with which to purchase food from outside and had paper rubles distributed to them. With reference to army discipline, orders were continually being issued to inflict severe punishment for the non-performance of military duties and to suppress robbery. Alright, there's the chapter. Uh, my mind's blank. I have no comment. So, I'll see you on the subreddit, and I'll see you tomorrow.